The question you have here, is Sammy a new intern or the one from the WB episode? You know, when she was on the WB. <laughs> the WB? <laughs> you know, before they changed it to the CW. Yeah, it's uh, the same channel as Buffy and Animaniacs. <laughs> Welcome to Double Issue, the only show where Daniel is here. That's technically correct. I'm Quentin. I'm Daniel. And we're Double Issue. This is a podcast where we are creating a superhero universe for all of our characters we create to live in and fight villains and fall in love sometimes and sometimes die. Yeah. Quite frankly, it's sad, but sometimes the characters we make die. You just got to put them out of their misery. Yeah, and there's nothing we can do to stop it. We're not in control. They're real, actual little things we've created, and they're living in my closet, and I'm scared. You think it's weird that George R. R. Martin hasn't put out more books yet? That's because he has to watch his little people, his story people, work it all out. Yeah, and sometimes nothing happens for a while. Yeah. That's why it took us two two weeks to do this Avalanche episode. That's right. Our little story people weren't cooperating. Yeah. But uh, this week it's Avalanche. We did stories this week and they're Avalanche based. Yeah. Which we figured out is snow specific. So both these stories have snow in them. Yeah. To some degree. Daniel picked Avalanche and we both immediately Googled it to make sure <laughs> we, we had it right. And I went, oh, that's how it's different from just a landslide. Yeah, we were so close. Like, we were thinking about the landslide event. We didn't want to get it messed up. Yeah. Did you do anything, read anything? I watched one episode of My Hero Academia. That's superhero related. I watched the first season and a half of My Hero Academia. I'll get there. I have questions about it, but maybe I'll wait till you watch a little more. Yeah. Maybe we could do a bonus episode. Ooh, yeah. That we'll use as a filler episode. Yeah. So you'll see that one next week. Um, <laughs> so I watched an episode of that. I, uh, I've been introducing my mom to more anime slowly. Uh, we went through all of Full Metal Alchemist. We went to some Studio, Studio Ghibli, Studio Ghibli movies in the theaters. We checked some of those out. And so I've been trying to slowly expand her anime and we've started Cowboy Bebop. But then I showed her My Hero Academia and we watched an episode and she went, let's watch something else. <laughs> so we used to have a, a standing weekly anime night and we had the clause like if we don't like this after a couple episodes we can go on to something else like we won't force ourselves through something we really don't like did we have that clause i'm pretty sure we had i don't know if we had that clause because of some of the things we watched oh i thought that clause was in effect but i was gonna say we this is the first time i've heard that clause actually pulled maybe you're the only one that thought we had that clause because we watched some animes that we just complained about the whole time <laughs> well there were some that were short and we decided to go ahead and finish them the mainly ones josh picked <laughs> <laughs> what was it fox and wolf or fox something well, it was spice and wolf spice and wolf spice yeah. and wolf was not my favorite no i think well, because it was mainly josh's picks because josh didn't like research like what anime <laughs> would i want to watch he just went 
I saw this one on Netflix, so I guess this one can be the one we watch next. I think he did go off the descriptions of them and said, that sounds good. But I feel like you, John, and I were all like meticulously researching, like, I've got the next four picks of mine (laughs) planned out. (laughs) Well, John always went for kind of the classics, like things that were, I wouldn't say safe necessarily, but like... Did he always go for the classics? He did pick Carvey Birdman. This is true, but that's still kind of a classic, <laughs> instant classic, if you will. I wouldn't say it was a classic anime, though. <laughs> I always tried to find something weird that we wouldn't have thought of to look up. Yeah, I always tried to pick a mind-blowing one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I just still think about, what was that one about Germany? I think about Monster every day. Oh, that's just, it's still blowing my mind. <laughs> man. I can't remember my other pick, so I think I did Gurren Logan. Yeah, that was pretty good. So join us next week for our spinoff podcast, Double Anime Show. Do we want to do our anime now? Our auditory animes? Yeah. Here's my story. Avalanche Elsewhere by Quentin A. Pongratz. Okay, let's go over the plan one more time. The gargoyle let out a sigh that sounded more like two rocks grinding against one another to everyone on the other side of the communicator. Gargoyles stood on a mountaintop, their legs compressing over a foot of snow beneath their weight. He clacked the skis he had together so they could be heard on the other side of the call. The skis, much thicker than normal skis, clunked and echoed off the nearby peak. I got it. I ski on signal. Correct, said the intern, Sammy. I think he has it, Pat's voice added from somewhere on the background of the control room. I just need this to be perfect. It's the first op I'm running all on my own. I have a question, said Gargoyle. What is it? Why ski? Well, the intern replied, we need to get you down to their cabin as soon as we have confirmation that Spartox is actually there. With your lack of body heat, you won't show up on their detections, and by being low to the ground, you won't show up on their air radar, and by coming from the mountain, you avoid all the security concentrated on the road leading to the cabin. Okay. Okay, you got it? Why not cloak? We don't have any kind of cloaking that will do all we need it to do. Pentacloak of Toro. What's he talking about? The intern asked everyone else in the control room. Oh, yeah, that's right, Patty said. There is that cloak in the warehouse that reflects light and heat and three other things or so. I forgot about that. Are you serious? Gargoyle smiled. I can't believe you didn't tell me about this until just now. I'm going to screw this up and we're going to lose Spartox and I'm going to lose this internship on my first actual mission. Gargoyle laughed. It's not funny, said Sammy. Well, it kind of is, said Patty. Sammy growled. Good one, Garg, said Patty. No cloak, he laughed some more. Just joke. Sammy took a deep breath. Fine. Are you ready? Yes, I know plan. I not dumb, I just speak bad. Elsewhere. Curses. Defendant Defender surveyed his office. When he had told the courier to unload the findings to his office, he did not realize how much space it would take up. Boxes upon boxes, no doubt filled to the brim with papers that he would have to sift through before the trial. What is it, Double D? His sidekick asked as she walked towards him in the hall carrying two cups. The prosecution just gave us a ton of material to sift through. They're trying to make it impossible to find anything relevant to the case. I think we'll need a lot more coffee. Do you have the necessary materials, or should I send someone out for more? We should have plenty. She handed Defendant Defender one of the cups. Thank you. He took a sip. 
She looked into the office and realized why Defender was standing in the hall. There was hardly anywhere left to stand in the room with all those boxes. She squeezed past him and found a place to stand, though. I just wish we didn't have so much paperwork to sift through. Defendant Defender spat out his coffee. What? Take it back! Take what? Smoke appeared before them with a popping sound. Out of the smoke emerged the image of a topless green man from the waist up. Below, a floating lamp. The green torso crossed its arms. Did someone make a legal wish? No, legal genie. You misheard. I never miss here. I believe your assistant, sidekick, junior defender? Guardian girl, she said. Whoever they are, I believe, said. The genie opened their mouth instead of his words repeating her words. Her words were repeated in her own voice. I just wish we didn't have so much paperwork to sift through. They recant it, said Defendant Defender. Yeah, I recant it, said Guardian Girl. The legal genie frowned. Well, I do have a one-hour cancellation policy. However, in order to take part in the cancellation, the legal genie pulled out a scroll and quickly unwound it to find a part at the very bottom. It looks like to evoke the cancellation of any wish, you must do so from the top of Black Mountain. Weird. The genie snapped and all of the boxes expelled their lids. The papers inside floated out and rushed out the now open window. The genie followed. Defendant Defender downed his coffee. He threw the cup on the floor and ran down the hall. With me, guardian girl, we must hurry. Elsewhere. What is it? The remaining members of Spell Squadron looked up into the sky to see what Clepsomia was pointing toward. A glowing blue shape loomed in the air. You think that's our cold culprit? said Lady. I'm detecting no spells or magic coming from the object, said Spellbinder. Are we sure this is our kind of thing? A glowing blue shape shows up in the sky and turns Desert Town into Winter Wonderland? I think that's firmly in our wheelhouse. Werewolf, is anything similar happening anywhere else? asked Lady. No, the temperature change seems entirely local. Do we... Clepsomia kicked some snow. Do we fight it? We need to do something. It looks like it's moving or getting bigger. Spellbinder, can you track its movement? asked the lady. I suppose so, even though it is the least of my mind's capabilities. I know, but none of us are as good as you are at those oh-so-complex calculations, said lady. You flatter me, said Spellbinder. I wish I didn't have to. Lady looked up and spotted a news helicopter passing over them. Looks like we're going to be on TV. Wave for the cameras. The helicopter circled them a few times before taking more interest in the blue shape sharing their airspace. Lady rubbed the bridge of her nose. John, Kleps, keep an eye on the birdie. We don't need people dying if that thing... The shape lurched forward and intersected with the helicopter. One of its blades snapped and the copter started to dive. On it, yelled Klepsomia as they both sprung into action. John cast a spell through a handheld mirror which turned the snow beneath him into a slide to get him to the helicopter's impromptu landing site. Klepsomia jumped onto the slide behind him, and then her hat swallowed her a second later, the hat continuing her momentum on the slide. Elsewhere, well, that's another dead end. Dial-up turned around and shot off another burst of electricity. The gelatinous form following froze in its tracks as arcs of energy coursed through it. The paralysis allowed Dial-Up to squeeze past the jellied mass. They ran from the stunt foe. Never thought I'd prefer the lab to this maze, but... Another piece of sticky substance leapt out of the side passage and absorbed Dial-Up into its form. Dial-Up almost instinctively shot another electric burst, but then he realized where he would be in relation to its target and decided better. Instead, Dial-Up struggled until it was able to reach its own body. They switched a finger from normal finger standby mode into small knife active mode. 
It cut into a spot in its abdomen and started to leak a fluid. The fluid turned the semi-fluid surrounding it into a solid. Dial-up struggled again and the mass broke into pieces around it. Dial-up was free, but wouldn't last long without its coolant to keep it from overheating. Dial-up switched its senses to a more active scanning mode and walked away from the defeated slime. It shouldn't run unless it had to. Dial-up opened up a communication to broadband. This dialogue took only a few seconds in real time, and actually heard would be high-pitched squeals and beeps. As they were both robots, this was the most efficient way for them to communicate with one another. But for the purpose of this story, and podcast, I will now relay it to you as if you could speak robot. Where are you? At the lab. I told you not to leave when we're on a mission. But I can be there in just a moment. What happened to your telebody? Broadband does not reply. Did you trash it already? I stepped on it. You have to be more careful. We even modified your torso to have a little garage to park it into if you're nearby. I know. Maybe we need to get a body you keep at the lab and can't take on trips. Would that help you from stepping on it? Maybe. Well, can you come help me out? I'm leaking coolant, and this isn't a place where I want to go down. Already on my way. Dial-up and Broadband's conversation only took a few seconds. But in the time it took to recount their conversation, Broadband had arrived at Dial-up's location. Broadband tore through the ground above Dial-up and scooped them up from the pipes they had been investigating for the past hour. Broadband brought Dial-up to their chest, and Dial-up entered. Dial-up found what they needed in the makeshift workshop that would patch them up until they could get a more permanent fix for the damage they caused to themselves. Dial-up paused for a beat. For any organic life form, this would have been a moment where they sighed with relief. But not having lungs, Dial-up merely took a moment to process everything before they continued to do what needed to be done. They took the elevator and broadband spine up to broadband's head and sat down in the communion chair. Safe and sound, chirped broadband to Dial-up. Not yet, buddy. Dial-up turned broadband's attention to the hole they had created to excavate Dial-up. Through the hole oozed a mass of slime, each individual creature glomming onto the next until the mass of them stood nearly as tall as broadband itself. I love it when I can pick on someone my own size. Broadband wound up and threw a punch at the creature, exploding slime in every direction from its impact. Elsewhere. Hello? Lady talked at Spellbinder, but she was actually speaking through them. Spellbinder was much more durable than a cell phone on a mission. Lady? We've never worked together in any real capacity, but you may know me as Aqualion or Aqualion. I've heard of you. What's up? I saw your team on the news. I... That town is in great danger. You have to evacuate everyone. You know what this is? Asked Lady. Yeah. He took a deep breath. I encountered it a few times before. What is it? We can't find any intel on it. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but... I do know you can't fight it. It exists on a different plane or something. It's got too many dimensions. You'll have to evacuate that town or they'll all die. Thanks for the heads up. Lady nodded and Spellbinder disconnected the call. I hate that, you know. You were listening in, right? Of course, said Spellbinder. You scanned the nearby dimensions and planes earlier? Doing so now. Spellbinder's eyes flicked different colors before settling on one. Simple fifth dimensional being. Nothing magical about it. Fifth dimension is entirely in our wheelhouse, though, you have to admit. Lady looked up at the slice of the being she could see in this dimension. She watched as a huge flock of birds approached. The cold probably had all their instincts out of whack and they're trying to go south for the summer. 
She got ready to wince as their passing would freeze them all to death, but continued to watch. She watched, but the flock never stopped. They passed right through the slice of glowing blue sky and continued on their way as if freezing was not an obstacle. She wondered how that was possible, but Spellbinder pulled her out of her introspection. What's the plan? Mist. Any goggles in the manor? asked Lady. A form of mist congealed near the duo and spoke. Various enchanted spectacles in the armory. Just normal ones will do. Miss Mist disappeared into herself. When she brings them back, you're going to enchant them with a way to see fifth dimensionally. Spellbinder nodded. Lady held John Morris and Clepsimi in her thoughts so she could reach them through the mist communication network they had. Mist is going to be bringing you some goggles or glasses momentarily. They'll let you see what we're up against. Join us once everything is safe there. Roger, said John's voice in her ears. She didn't realize how much she had missed Miss Mist until she had returned. She turned to Spellbinder to see him already enchanting the glasses. She grabbed a pair from their hands and Miss Mist grabbed the other three and dissipated once more. Lady put on her glasses. Ready, Binder? Elsewhere. What do you mean the mountain is closed? Defendant Defender leaned out of his car's window. Sir, the mountain's closed. We suggest you turn around. The man outside the car put his hands on his hips. D, guardian girl whispered from the passenger seat. They're armed. Look at the way the ones in the back have their hands. All right, we'll be turning around then. Defendant Defender rolled up his window. Yes, they are armed. But we are sworn to never take the first step in escalating any action. We must only defend. Are we not neglecting the defense of our client by letting any chance of him surviving this trial be whisked away by some genie? Defendant Defender mulled over her words. That is quite the capital T, capital C tough choice, isn't it? Not for me. Guardian Girl applied a domino mask to her face and then opened the car door and rolled away. The men blocking the road immediately opened fire. She flipped out of her roll and kicked one of the men in the face. As he fell to the ground, she twisted around and put her arm between her and the remaining attackers. She tapped her watch, and a glowing shield activated moments before the bullets speeding in her direction reached her. The bullets ricocheted off of the energy shield instead of ripping through her body, and before she could come up with a plan to take out the remaining men, Defendant and Defender had tackled them from behind. Tough choice to get involved? Once you stepped into the line of fire, it's clearly defense. Defendant Defender ran back towards the car. Now hurry, we have only minutes before... A loud boom echoed across the sky. Guardian Girl stopped to look around. What was that? We must not be distracted. We're on a mission. To the peak. Elsewhere. You said clear skies. Gargoyle watched snow starting to fall around him. The weather reports are showing all clear. Should be no clouds or anything nearby. Snow. Gargoyle held out his palm and let the snow collect. Well, that won't change the plan. It can't be enough snow to cause any real problems. Gargoyle dumped the snow that filled up his palm. He turned around and saw the snow doing something unusual. It was falling, but not from a cloud. It was in a stream of snow coming from the other side of the mountain. It was floating up to above the peak and then falling down as snow normally does. Gargoyle took a moment to think of how he could relay this information over the comms when a poof of smoke appeared before him. Ah, looks like you made it in time, said the green half-man before him. Who you? Wait, no, who are you? Gargoyle. Are you here on behalf of the Defendant Defender? Gargoyle shook his head. Good. Gargoyle, who are you talking to? Asked Sammy over the comms. Genie? He asked the man before him. The genie nodded. A genie. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think this ruins my plan yet. 
We still have no visual on Spartox, so we're just waiting for that, okay? Okay. You make snow? Gargoyle asked the genie. Well, on accident. You see, I had intended to move some paperwork out here to an inconvenience defendant defender, but, well, there were complications on the way, and all of the paperwork has been frozen, and it's now more snow than anything remotely paper-like. Oh. Legal Genie looked at his wrist, and a watch appeared on it, and he tapped it. But it looks like they won't even make it before the time is up, so we'll just say I did this after, and I won't be in breach of contract. The Genie winked at the gargoyle. Okay. Gargoyle opened his mouth to ask another question, but the sounds of gunfire interrupted him. He turned around. Go now? He asked over the comm. No, we still have no visual on Spartox. Gunfire down mountain. Gargoyle heard nothing for a moment. No change in plan, she finally said. You sure? No, but it's the decision I'm making. Just hope it isn't the wrong one. <laughs> Gargoyle turned and looked at the building amount of snow on the peak. A lot of snow. Well, said the legal genie, it was quite the mountain of paperwork. Figuratively and now literally. The genie chuckled and Gargoyle stared at him. I guess it isn't literally a mountain, but it is topping a mountain. Wordplay, you know? I know. You must, uh, not like jokes. I love jokes. Gargoyle continued to stare at the genie. Funny jokes. The genie smiled and made a pointing gesture between the two. I like you. We'll have to do a team up sometime. The genie winked at Gargoyle. Gargoyle opened his mouth to respond, but was once again interrupted by a loud sound, though this one was much closer than the gunfire. A large figure streaked through the sky close to the peak of the mountain with such speed that it created a sonic boom. The sonic boom resonated through the sky and down the mountain. Birds flew from the trees and everything shook. The newly settled paperwork, acting as a new coat of snow for the peak, trembled. The snow was settled no more. The stacks and stacks of frozen paper bits scattered from the peak and down all the sides. Gargoyle turned around and put on his skis. Going now. Wait, no, we still have avalanche replied the gargoyle. His skis sank slightly in the snow, but he was able to push off ahead of the snow tumbling behind him. Gargoyle dodged trees in his descent. They wouldn't damage him, but they could damage the skis or slow him down enough to let the snow catch up. He sped down the mountain and kept his goal clear above all else, the capture of Spartox. He just hoped Spartox wasn't elsewhere. The End So it seems very uh, action movie where there's a lot of moving parts. Good. Yeah. I think. Now, the 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 genesis of this, but I was just ruminating on the word avalanche, and all I could think of was gargoyle skiing down a mountain. <laughs> oh, Good start. Okay. That could be a thing. And that's all I had for a bit. And then I thought, avalanche of paperwork. <laughs> And so I thought about Law Warrior and just a bunch of papers, and that eventually changed. And yeah, it eventually morphed into this thing. <laughs> I was like, how do I link those together? And then I eventually figured something out. Yeah. It was originally going to be like time bending. Each thing caused the next thing. Oh, got it. But it just did that in a circle for some reason. But I couldn't figure out exactly how to make that work correctly. And then I liked this how it came out so it's sort of narratively like an avalanche oh because the story keeps building up from each other part 
And it just collapses back down. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't intend that, but <laughs> I'll pretend like I did. Yeah. That's half of being a writer is just taking yeah. credit for things you didn't mean to. Well, let's break it down. So we got Monster Squad at the start. Yeah. Who knew Garg was such a monster skier? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? He's going to have those beefy skis to support his weight. That's right. I kind of imagine they just duct taped their feet to a two by four mm. or like a pair of two by fours. So every time I'm writing about Gargoyle, all I imagine is that main Gargoyle from the show Gargoyles. <laughs> I know he doesn't have wings, but... Uh, I wanted to ask, who is Spartox? Good question. You got an answer? I just I mean, was thinking of a name. <laughs> sure, I could make one up later. Okay. I just wasn't sure if that was somebody you thought about. No, all it is is a name right now. I just went, uh, I need someone. I don't know. This sounds kind of like could be a wizard or something. That's good. Speaking of names, I like the Pentacloak of Taro. Toro. Toro. I just like the terminology of pentacloak. Yeah. Even if it's not a real thing. I just... it, it cloaks against five different things. <laughs> that should be a real thing at some point. It cloaks light. It cloaks heat. And three other things. <laughs> Sound. Uh, dad jokes. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. I did have the question, is Sammy the intern that we talked about during the world building episode? Or is this a new intern? Um, this one's definitely a new intern. Okay. Because she said this is her first mission. Okay. I wasn't sure if we were just picking up from no, like, the this world is... build we did drops him off at this point. Or... I think this is kind of current. Okay. The world build, the monster event, I don't know where that is in our timeline because we firmed up some of the timeline. Yeah. And it's not in there, so it's got to be before. Okay. So. I really like the addition of Guardian Girl for Defender Defender. Defendant Defender. Yeah. Does Legal Genie live with Dee Dee? No. Or do they just show up anytime a law superhero? They, they just show up anytime there's a legal wish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this has implications. Yeah. It, uh, legal related wishes. That's where Legal Genie lives. Oh, man. I wish I wasn't, wasn't guilty of murder. <laughs> oh, here I am. Let's see. Then we got... Bell Squadron, but they seem to be doing their thing. Yeah, they're just back again. But also, Miss Mist is there, and that's a development. Yeah, since she was, was missing. disappeared. But yeah, she's back now. Oh, oh man. I have ideas for how that happened, but I think I want to explore it in a story. Ooh. Or four. <laughs> this is my four-part story beginning now. The Myth of Miss Mist. A four-part saga. The parts are as follows. Book 1. Miss Mist will be missing. Book 2. Miss Mist is missing. Book 3. Miss Mist was missing. Book 4. She was missing and isn't now. How that? I will now begin. Book 1. Miss Mist will be missing. Chapter 1. The Demon in the Basement. The summer nights were the worst. For both of us. Up until we went missing, that is. <laughs> oh, no. I just had four stories keyed up for this two-hour-long episode. <laughs> Surprise! You tricked me. That's why it was taking a while to write it's it. It's an event special. <laughs> Can you imagine, though? I do want to do that now. Just in the background, be working on a longer story and then just spring it on the audience. By the way... <laughs> 
Uh, BT Dubs, here's a short novella. <laughs> just out. Bonus just episode. <laughs> yeah. And then we've got broadband dial-up yeah. from Aegis hanging out. Yeah. Well, one of so, them's hanging out. <laughs> well, one's hanging out, one's murdering a slime monster. It's something. <laughs> I like in these stories that we could just kind of pick and choose. I don't have to come up with the how things got here. Right. But... Running around in some sewer type place fighting slime monsters. That's something kind of nice just about the superhero genre in general, though. Is you, if you're having a heart to heart conversation between two superheroes, they could just be beating up villains at the time. It doesn't have to actually yeah. tie back to the story. <laughs> it's just, yeah, this is where this just happens to take place. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of first times on the actual narrative side. Yeah. And then I bring back Spell Squadron because. <laughs> Apparently, John Morris is my favorite character. Eh, that's all right. I like dropping Split into the background of things for no good reason. I do want to ask, so Broadband has a garage in his stomach? Yeah. I think that's awesome. How cool of a garage is it? I don't know. Like, is it like a pool tables and mini fridge kind of garage? Uh, the only way I could see a pool table working is if all of the balls are magnetically charged so that... You can turn it off and on because it's got to be completely still in order for you to play pool. What if they're hollow, like, or hollow graphic? But I think it would also be really cool to watch superheroes playing pool while broadband is walking. And so they keep rolling in weird ways. Gotta use your powers to play. I guess if they're holographic, that's fine. Yeah, but I think holographic just makes more sense. It's also like he gets in there to pilot them. Oh, yeah. I don't know how that actually works since broadband has autonomy, but dial-up makes them more efficient or something, or I don't know. Maybe it's like a drift compatibility type thing. They can unlock even more special moves when they're together. Yeah, I don't know how that would work out, but there's some reason they do it. All right, your story now? (laughs) Yeah, let's do that. Let's, Let's go over there. Early Retirement by Daniel J. Poole Blood Guzzler finally looked at peace. His look of fear on his face when I pushed him off the cliff had eased. Now his body served as a makeshift door for our shelter. In the light of Helios, his eyes finally thawed and could close. Blood Guzzler. What an awful name. I wish I had known him better. We met before Mount Logan, but I always put him off. To be fair, he was off-putting. To know that I will never get the chance to really know him was painful. Not in a wish-we-could-have-been-friends sort of way, mind you, but more in a his-life-was-so-shallow-and-short-why-bother sort of way. He was a symbol of his own life. Violent and meaningless. Who would remember him now? Who would remember me for that matter? My nemesis, Hildi the Hunter, was crushed by a giant robot for devil's sake. I have no children. I never conquered the earth or destroyed a civilization. There would be no statues of me if I died in this frozen cave. I put so much of myself in fighting Hildy that I lost the reason I became a villain in the first place. 
We can't all be amazing. Look at me, aren't I so flipping great, Richard? Count Smackdown rubbed his hands together and held them closer to Helios. I had convinced him to wear a snowsuit, but he was uncomfortable. Anything more covering than a unitard was obscene to him. A crooked yellow smile stretched across his puffy red cheeks. He seemed like he was enjoying our adventure. This wasn't about treasure or glory for the Count. He tagged along for the drama. He wanted the thrill of the fight. But if he made it to Shadow Doom's treasure first, it would be a bonus. I had seen him snap men in half just because he liked the sound. I am comforted that he sees me as an equal. I would sleep soundly if I felt the need. Unlike Spell Bandit, the mage pulled his poncho around himself closer. He shook like he was cold, but I knew better. He had a pistol wand trained on each of us, hidden from view. His eyes dropped while he fought to stay awake. Spellbandit's clothes were threadbare. He had confided in me while we served one of our sentences at the mountain. Without Captain Havoc Senior around to keep his name in the papers, he had trouble finding work. I guess he thought we were similar. Since we both lost our nemesis, he was nothing like me. He needed this score to stay relevant and fed. I need this score to make my comeback. People will fear Baron Vaughn Kill once more. As soon as Spell Bandit gave in to sleep, he'd end up like Water Dog. Frozen to death where he sits, like a good boy. Someday some hikers might find him. There could be a new story about how weird it is. Maybe a BuzzFeed article about funny supervillain deaths. His body would be close to witnesses. Well, he could have survived. It was hard to tell in the commotion. When Count Smackdown tricked Brock's sides into causing the avalanche, Witness had tried stopping his powers from bringing down Mount Logan. It had been enough time for me to give him an atomic wedgie. I had slipped the wristband of his underwear over his power-sapping eyes and shoved him off the cliff. He fell heels overhead slapping against each rocky outcropping as snow chased after him. At least Witness took his defeat well. Rock slides cried the entire time Count Smackdown drove him into the ground. The boy tried to use his rock powers to stop it. Through pure force, the Count drove him like a railroad spike. He didn't even have time to finish the job, unfortunately. Before the avalanche blew us off the ridge, we fell together with Helios. Hitting a flat section of mountain, snow buried us alive. The fire from the old man, yet, soon created an ice cavern to cover us. Blood Guzzler's body happened to fall nearby, 
We used him to keep out the harsh night winds. I turned my attention to Helios. In his prime, he fought Moonglow. His evil had threatened the entire solar system. Now he was fighting to keep his flame lit against the snow. He wore simple white robes with a gold laurel crown. He meditated. Count Smackdown rubbed his hands together. He said, Getting a bit chilly, Helios, mind turning up the heat? The old man didn't reply, yet he flickered and brightened. Water trickled from the walls. His lips pulled into a tight smile. He was showing off. Well, what's just to think that he was? I felt it, though. A slight tremor in his output. He was weakening. Count Smackdown, I said. May I have one of your power bars? The big man smiled wider. He reached toward a backpack at his side. Hey, partner. Spell Bandit's poncho was rattling now. Just keep y'all's hands where I can seize him. We all froze for a moment. The tension in the cave rose as did Helios's fire. The Count started to open his mouth, but a low mourn made us all jump. We turned our attention to Bloodguzzler, but his body was still. The moan made us jump a second time. Farther into the cave we could hear something crackling, crumbling, and loosening. Spellbandit didn't even hide his pistol wands now. Their smooth metal barrels aimed at the end of the darkened passage. Well, I said, go check it out. Spellbandit shook his head. No way. This is some kind of trap. You first. When would I find the time, dear sir? I jested to myself. Like I'm hurt. Come, let's investigate together. Cows Macdown scooted closer to Helios. And he said, call if you need us. Together, Spellbandit and I crept through the cave. He ignited one of his wands with a light spell and kept the other in aimed at the darkness. We continued till the ice passage narrowed. We moved forward in a single file with him up front. His light reflected off the walls of ice, moving the light up the wall. We saw a frozen figure under the glassy surface. It was hard to make out, but it looked like a person. The light crept up the body to reveal a face freed from the ice. It spoke. It's been an eon! Devil's blood, I cried. You scaled the hell out of me, eon. He was stuck into the wall. He tried to free himself, but only had one arm loose. He flailed an arm at me. It's been in Eon! Eon caught Spellbandit by the shoulder. The mage aged rapidly. His skin cracked, wrinkled, and paled. He fired off three shots into Eon's chest. The ancient man frozen to the wall didn't even flinch. Spellbandit collapsed to the ground. He aged sixty years in the span of a few seconds. All that was left was a dried husk, 
a shell of his former glory. That could have been me on the ground. My face stretched into a pained scream, terror running down my cheeks. Spellbandit had lost track of his goal. He had been rash. Greed blinded him. His ambition short-sighted. That would not be me on the ground. I reached for Eon's face as he reached for my hand. Poison gas erupted from my hand. It engulfed his head and his body went slack. It's been in. I closed his eyes. Rest. You have another long sleep ahead of you. Count Smackdown slapped me across the back. He said, Nice double kill, pal. I shook my head. High in the muscle-bound man, the light of Helios was darkening. I said, It seems so meaningless. The death, the killings, the villainy. Is there a point to any of this? Count Smackdown shrugged. He said to me, I've never been much of a thinker. That's always been your shtick. As long as we're free, committing crimes together again, I'm content. I started to think about the inevitability of death. In the mountain, we didn't have the luxury of freedom. The weight of choice. We had schedules, routine. Our every moment was thought out, planned. It was like clockwork, and we were cogs and gears. Now, we were broken clock pieces, floating in an ocean of trash. As I was spiraling into this vortex of existential horror, the big lug patted me on the chest with the back of his hand. It nearly knocked the breath out of me. He pointed with the other at Eon. The ancient man turned to dust. Where he had been frozen revealed a metal wall. The Count raised an eyebrow at me, and motioned to the wall. I nodded. Using both hands, I sprayed acid down the entire section. It hissed on contact till an oval section was missing. We stepped into a darkened room. Our footfalls echoed on the steel gangway. We reached forward and found a handrail. We were right next to Shadow Doom's vault the whole time. Finally, with this treasure trove of doomsday devices, the world will be ours. We'll raise every jail to the ground. We'll crush every bank and even the concept of money from this world. With this armament of pure evil, will the automated lights clicked on section by section fluorescence flooded the room the bright white light covered every surface every empty surface every inch of horrible terrible awful empty space a single handwritten note laid at the bottom of the room. I flew down the stairs three at a time, my heavy boots clogged on each fall. Count Smackdown ran after me, but I'm quicker than he. He stopped and called after me, 
but I didn't hear him. I raced to the note and snatched it up. The Count leapt off the catwalk where he stopped chasing and landed on his feet effortlessly. My hand rattled with anger holding that note. I felt my face flush with heat. I crumpled up the letter and threw it away. I stomped on it and screamed. I kicked at the air and I cursed the stars. Count Smackdown picked up the wadded piece of paper and he read it out loud. Dear idiots, sorry for whatever trouble you went through for this fault. I needed Shadow Doom's weaponry more than you. There may still be some wine in the break room. Enjoy. Kind regards, Reggie. Smackdown chuckled and said, Sweet, free wine. Do you know what this means? I asked. The immortal Reggie has my doomsday devices. He shrugged. It means I have a new nemesis. No matter what I do, no matter what it takes, I, Van Von Kill, will kill Reggie. I said all this with the gusto and the flourish of a Shakespearean actor. I made wide, sweeping motions with my arms and thrust my fist in the air. The Count clapped. He said, didn't that jerk die? I reply, he's immortal. It's, it's in the name. Oh yeah, he said. We stood still. I was formulating a plan. The Count seemed bored. He whistled and looked around. I snapped my fingers though, and I said, I've got it. I heard something in the mountain about Reggie. I have a plan, but we'll need a patsy, a real moron, that will do anything we tell them. A party wearing a leather one-piece hit the ground next to us with a wet, dull smack at that very moment. I jumped, and Count Smackdown caught me. We both looked at the party, and the gangway they fell from. The party turned over with blood running down their mouth. Blood gosler! The leather-suited freak said. I jumped out of the Count's arms, and I clasped my hands together, and I said, Mr. Guzzler, I'm so pleased you survived. You must be a regenerator. I have a job for you. And just like that, I had a purpose once more, a meaning, a plan. I was a clock again. I was finally at Peace to be continued. So, Daniel, your story was like a who's who of double issue minor characters. That's right. We got too many minor characters after all those villain episodes. I'm here to chop the block man i there were some characters you name dropped down went did daniel just make one up now or is this one <laughs> we made up somewhere in the fever dream of all of our show so far i think almost all of them were mentioned during the fever f dream five-part fever dream <laughs> except for blood guzzler which we talked about last week briefly uh the yeah, first we talked amy one right yeah one of the Amy episodes, we talked about him. Mm -hmm. So I think everybody was from Talks. But yeah, no, I had a lot of fun just, just tossing characters in there. Yeah. 
there were some that I was just, I don't remember this person. <laughs> or uh, I don't Brock's... remember how much we talked about them and how much Daniel is making up now. <laughs> I did make up a lot yeah. on the spot. Uh, Brock slides may not get too many cameos, so I figure it's good to get them in. How many did you end up killing here? Do you have a definite count or not yet? All right, let's see. I'll go through my list. So Water Dog is frozen. I don't know if for sure dead. Who's Water Dog? Did I miss <laughs> Flame that? Cat. That's Flame Cat's <laughs> enemy from the League of oh, Elemental Animals. Oh, were some of these ones that I just said once at the end of that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was like, that's yeah. why I don't remember these. It's a name I said once. <laughs> it's a name I said once two months ago or something. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Helios. We don't actually see them die. They could still be kicking. So maybe two. Uh, I'm looking at my notes. Did Witness actually make it into the story? I don't Witness remember. Witness was there. I saw Witness. I witnessed them. I don't know what they did, though. Uh, Witness was there doing something. Um, Spell, spell Bandit's dead. <laughs> spell Bandit's pretty dead. Okay, Witness got thrown off the cliff. Yeah, I yeah there were some people thrown off the cliff. So, Witness could still be alive, just off the cliff. Brock slides may also. It depends. They got driven into the ground, but they have rock powers. So maybe that was okay. Witness was one of the ones I made up. What powers did you give them in this again? Cancellation. Okay. So they can cancel someone's powers, but I think they've got to choose who they're canceling. Okay. Yeah. So, one confirmed kill, three or four iffies. (laughs) Blood Guzzler comes back on a technicality, so I don't know how he counts. Oh, and Eon just is, so. Yeah, I almost used Eon in my story back when it was like a time time warping one. I kind of wanted like Eon to be the cause of the avalanche and also, like I, didn't, I couldn't fully work it out. I didn't ever wrap my mind around what I wanted it to be, but there was going to be oh. an Eon death hand resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we almost had double Eon week. <laughs> just kidding it's avalanche and then in parentheses eon yeah is it possible that this appearance we saw in yours is the last eon appearance <laughs> oh no not not ever like i mean in eon's timeline oh i mean it could be because it does turn him into dust instead of like beating him up and he gets covered with something he melted so maybe he could I don't know. We we'll have to have a world building about Eon at some point Ooh. for his event. <laughs> yeah. We could decide his powers a little more there. Yeah, I guess we don't know how he recovers if he could reconstitute himself. I I did have a thought with uh, searching through my notes with Spell Bandit because I still like the concept of Spell Bandit. What if they've got like twins and they each come and take one of his pistol wands mm. and then we've got a new legacy league villain set and they could be searching for Baron von kill like the spell banditos yeah okay so i still like spell bandit <laughs> yeah yeah count smackdown baron von kill yeah they seem to be c- close friends they are close friends i read a I line couldn't... in there and it said i'm just happy that we're free and I'm with you. <laughs> and I went, ooh. I didn't necessarily make that my original intention, but we've been talking about it some and I kind of not opposed. Yeah. I don't know. I think it'd be good. 
We don't really have any villain romance storylines yet, so... It's just most of our villains aren't as defined as our heroes. Yeah. We've got too many of both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was one thing. I was hoping this would set up kind of a way to start narrowing down who's involved. So I was hoping for the villain side, this would help kind of define who's going to be in our season finale more. Yeah. At least for like for some of the storylines I've set up. I did have one little bit about the immortal Reggie. Oh yeah, we need to talk about the immortal Reggie. Yeah. Finally brought back the immortal Reggie. So ever since you forgot about him in that one story. I forgot about him and now I've made him more of a plot. (laughs) A plot point. For that one forgottenness. I had the thought that Immortal Reggie's doing something. Don't know what yet. But we talked about Shadow Doom being like a fake supervillain that everyone thought was real, but no one actually actually fought. Yeah. I had the thought that what if that's the Immortal Reggie's villain persona? So is that he's taken up this false identity of Shadow Doom and is using it as a villain now? Or it was never a false identity? And he's always think, been Shadow Doom. I think he's always used that false identity. In various ways. Yeah. Maybe not being Shadow Doom, but using it to do something. Right. That, that'd be neat. Yeah. So maybe he needs to go to like a conference of villains. Oh, he could dress up like Shadow Doom. Mm. Or they need to cover up something happening in the hero world. Like, oh no, we destroyed this area because of like this threat that we can't really talk about. Oh no, it was Shadow Doom. Hmm. So do you think he's on some sort of secret cabal of people? Something like that, or he's on some sort of secret mission for sure. Okay. And so even though it's Shadow Doom's fault, it was technically just one of his hideouts. What do you picture when you picture the immortal Reggie? Because we haven't really described him. I think a nondescript guy who is just indeterminately late 40s, early 50s. I always, I always imagined him as like... Mr. Glass oh. from Unbreakable, but he he's not in a wheelchair and he's got something crazier going on with his hair. Okay. So Samuel L. Crazy Hair. Yeah. I need to watch Unbreakable. You haven't seen Unbreakable? No. What? I know, right? That's the good one. I don't know what kind of movie I thought it was, but I did not realize it was pseudo superhero. No, I didn't realize that at first either. But I, uh, for some reason, I had it in my head. I don't know what wire got crossed or if this is another movie or something. But I had in my head that Unbreakable was a movie about, um, it was a sequel to The Sixth Sense. And oh. there was like a plane crash or a something. And. The, the kid from The Sixth Sense had to go and solve it by talking to dead people. <laughs> oh, It was like a murder mystery or something. <laughs> I think I was thinking of like more uh, the hair being taller, but yeah. Well, it is kind of like fizz, frizzed out. Yeah, but I was like more up. Oh, okay. Like not the sort of part, but like more just straight up. The Bride of Frankenstein, but more reasonable is what I pictured <laughs> in my head. You know what I'm saying? Like that one white streak. (laughs) I always pictured a white streak in his hair. Oh, okay. Well, this is good information. So, are we getting to the end of the show? Feels so fast. 
right? We had a lot of we... tangents, but it feels so fast. I think we stayed on topic pretty good this Here time. Here we are at an hour and 15 minutes on my recording. Oh, I started early, yeah. so mine's at two hours. So, everyone, if you're listening, it's still time to win yourself a pumpkin wrapper. Oh, yeah. Do some fan art or write a fan fiction for us. A fan fiction. Write a fan rap about... <laughs> if you've got a vague idea of something that could happen in a story and you want it to be canon, send it on this way. Like, we want to do this for people that are actually listening. Um, we don't have a huge audience based on right. our download numbers that I've seen. but. But if you think you have something, send it in and you might win. Because, like, there's not a huge number of people to compete against. So You have good chances. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're in, the, in the finals bracket if you submit. So I encourage everyone to submit because I think it would be fun to incorporate something that a, a fan creates into the universe. Yeah. But that's a... Uh, send us an email at double issue show at gmail.com and you can win a pumpkin wrapper Funko Pop and we'll send in like a button and a sticker, a double issue button and sticker. And maybe if you're a runner up you'll get a button or something. We'll ask you for an address, send you a little something. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I ordered an inordinate amount of buttons and I haven't really found a good reason to get rid of them all yet. <laughs> I've been giving them to everyone I know. I should do that more. So Daniel's been making recommendations and we want to just solidify that, just have a thing at the end of the show where we say something non-superhero related, just something that we've been enjoying and go check out. Well, and this, this is sort of superhero related, but there's this author, Megan Q, and she wrote some sort of X-rated, R-rated superhero books, but also has like some horror and other stuff like that. Mm. But she seems pretty cool. I would say go check her out. Yeah. I've got uh, this book called The Long Earth by Terry Pratchett and Stephen Baxter. And it's the first in a series of five. I don't know how series dependent it is, like if this one's going to end on a cliffhanger or not. But it's been a very good and refreshing read after a few bad books I've read. <laughs> oh. So this one has been a breath of fresh air. There's definitely that Terry Pratchett humor in here and imaginative sci-fi in here. Nice. It's about, uh, it's a world in which people have gotten a device where you can step to an alternate Earth, east and west. Yeah. And there seems to be an infinite number of them. And it's just, what happens if the space we have is now functionally infinite? Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. So that's The Long Earth by Stephen... Oh, God. Stephen Baxter and Terry Pratchett. <laughs> we We're wrapping cool. up now? Yeah, I was going to say our art was done by Lisa Prather. You can find her stuff on Instagram, instagram.com slash lisapratherart, or her website, lisapratherart.com. And we already said the email. Um, you could check me out on Twitter at Quentin Pongratz. And you can check me out on Twitter at Gwair. G-Y-W-A-I-R. And you can go to itch.io slash Gwair. Check out some various uh, flavored jams of games. Yeah, jam's a pretty good word for what they look like. I should actually, 
I think I might finish a Pong game this week. I promise the visual novel I'm working on is still Sunday going to finish. Yeah, you might finish that Pong game if you first finish the Bong game, if you know what I mean. That's a lie. I get nothing done after the Bong game. <laughs> uh, we got website. We've got Twitter. We've got Facebook. We've got WordPress. We've got Discord. Most of those have links in the thing below, and most yeah. of them are double issue, double issue show if you're searching. If you like that theme song, I've got a thing for you. There's a whole lot more of it over on the freemusicarchive.org, and it's by the Free Harmonics and the Free Harmonics Orchestra. We used and shortened it under the Creative Commons license, but feel free to go out and listen to the rest. Yeah, and next week is hopefully going to be a world build-up so where we get Josh back on and we do... Citadel Part 2. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've been talking about that one for a while, so it'll be good to get it get it yeah, in. Yeah, I've got my teams here on this slip of paper. I write them down at work. I just kind of wrote whatever has popped in my head, so this might be, not be a final one, but I'll read off a couple names. Avalanche. <gasps> <laughs> That's all you get right now. Oh, that feels like a cheat after the Avalanche episode. It is. There might be a team called The Zone, so... <laughs> Look forward to that one. All right. Um. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh wait. I guess they're gonna like read song credits. Here are the songs we used: "Night Owl" by Broke for Free, "Magic Hour" by Three Chain Links, "Happiest Day" also by Three Chain Links, "Monarch of the Street" by Loyalty Freak Music, "Ignite to Light" instrumental by Pipe Choir. All those ones were on Free Music Archive. Then we had some more songs. Slow Motion by Benjamin Tissot. Rumble by Benjamin Tissot. New Dawn by Benjamin Tissot. Sci-Fi by Benjamin Tissot. And all of those songs were from Ben Sound. We used all of those songs under their Creative Commons licenses. You can check out links to all of those songs in the show notes. I also got some sound effect attributions for you we got gunshot by birdman we got fire crackle and flames 002 by fractal studios we got spray can spray by s perry we got footsteps metallic muffled louder by rutger muller we got water dripping in cave by skolex papers flapping intense by ross bell and modem dial by october you can find all of those sound effects in the links in the show notes or at freesound.org. Sorry about this one being late, guys. We had some technical difficulties, but we'll see you guys in less than a week if you're listening to this on the day it releases. Have fun. Good luck. Goodbye. I remember one day watching a Hercules episode and seeing the Cerberus and trying to act like the Cerberus and then like running up on my couch on all fours and slamming my head into the wall behind the couch. Oh. <laughs> and I just sometimes think of that and go, that was real dumb. <laughs> <laughs>